anxiety for me though has like texture it has um weight weight is especially a good word for it um it has volume it has a presence it like casts a shadow it um i just kept thinking of like more of like a shape and more of a feeling hi friends you're listening to art and magic a podcast where we connect all things practical magical and really real when it comes to walking the artist's path. I'm your host, Devin Walls, painter, mentor, and dreamer. Thank you so much for being here. Now, let's get into today's episode. Hello, everyone, and welcome back. Today is kind of a milestone for the podcast because we have our first ever return guest, and that guest is the amazing Taylor Lee. It is not a coincidence that Taylor is our first return guest because she is an excellent art conversationalist. Her and I have chatted quite a bit over the years, I would say, and she has some very deep, profound, and grounded thoughts about her process. Like She's somebody who really thinks about this stuff, which she'll be the first to admit, and because of that, listening to her talk is always very insightful. So in her first episode on the show, we talked a bit about how she changes her style often and the ways in which she's strung that together with the power of story and how she's kept it consistent in her brand. And I felt like this conversation in one sense was very connected to that, but addressed that topic from a much deeper and more expanded perspective, perhaps. It's been really cool to witness how Taylor has changed um, both in herself and in her practice over this past year. And she's really switched up her mediums like big time. So I really enjoyed hearing about what it's been like for her to be a total beginner in these new realms and also why she was called to make these changes. And there's some really good reasons and deep answers there. One thing I love about Taylor is she's truly not afraid to experiment and she has a lot of what I would call artistic integrity. I don't think we named it that in this episode specifically, but after re-listening to our conversation, that was mainly what I was left with, this idea of artistic integrity, which to me means following what the work needs, regardless of your own ego, your ability to monetize it, regardless of your need to maybe be a beginner somewhere else. And of course, not all of us have the privilege to, you know, make such big changes at a whim all of the time. But nevertheless, I find it really inspiring when somebody puts the integrity of the work first. And it's something that I try to think about in my own practice. And I know, to me, really signals like the heart of a true artist when I see it in others. Something else I just want to highlight in our conversation was this idea of leading with content. And I was so glad that Taylor came on and talked about her experience with this, how she views it, and then she kind of broke down the difference between content and style in a very digestible way. If you're a developing artist, I think grasping this concept is so important. If you've been around the block, if you've been to art school, you might be revisiting this idea in this conversation, but I still think A, Taylor's perspectives on it are wonderful, and B, it's something that we can't integrate into our foundation enough please leave us a review if you haven't already. It's been really exciting to see the new reviews come in. I know we've had some very exciting episodes in these past weeks, which I'm kind of on fire about. Happy to be on a roll with these really fun conversations. But yeah, wherever you're listening, make sure you subscribe so you don't miss future episodes. And please scroll down, hit the five stars. If you have time, leave us a review. It really helps the show. And also all of your shares and tags on Instagram are extremely helpful and so appreciated. So after you listen to this episode, if it resonated with you, if there was something that you learned from it, please do share about it so other artists can tune in as well. The accounts for tagging are at Art and Magic Podcast. And if you want to check out what I'm up to, I'm at Devin Walls Art. Okay, so if you're not familiar with Taylor Lee Nicholson, she's an artist who innovates with both traditional and unconventional materials to create whimsically surreal and colorful paintings, illustrations, animations, sculpture, performances, and more. She works to offer catharsis by generating meaningful and often kitschy art that juxtaposes laughter and pathos in order to celebrate and challenge our perceptions of the mood whiplash we experience on the roller coaster of life. Heck yes. Without further ado, I'm so excited for you guys to hear my recent conversation with Taylor Lee Nicholson. 
All right. So Taylor is back with us. And Taylor, you are our first returning guest on the show, which feels like really exciting. So welcome back. (laughs) I'm glad to be back. I love our honest conversations. Me too. Um, So we're just going to like jump right in since I think people who are familiar with the show already know you. Um, And if you haven't, please go back and listen to Taylor's first episode because that was really good, all about the power of story and branding. But today we're going to talk on some things that are a little bit more present. Um, And things have changed a lot for you since we talked at the beginning of 2020, (laughs) as it has for all of us. Um, (laughs) But in an artistic sense, you've really changed up your process and your medium. So could you start us out by just talking about like the changes that you've made in, in what you're working on and what you're doing? Yeah, I'm like, I'm like, let's get honest right out the gate here because (laughs) (laughs) it's, I feel like, all right. So like the disclaimer is like, obviously 2020 has been absolutely awful, atrocious, so many bad things. Um, And I, you know, on one hand, I I really wish it didn't happen. Um, Though, you know, some of these things like the protests that are happening, those really need to be happening. And it's, I've been reading a lot of things that are, um, that are saying like, hey, 2020 isn't unique. It's like, it's not like we just hit bad luck this year. It's just that everything got exposed. And Mm -hmm. so that's been eye-opening. But um, all that being said, I just feel like with 2020, there's been a little bit of a gift where I've just noticed, you know, if I'm not going to do X, Y, Z in quarantine, or I'm not going to care about X, Y, Z in the pandemic, it then like, why do, why am I investing any time in these Mm. things or these projects? It feels like 2020 has been a gift of clarity of like being more intentional with how you want to use your time or your energy, because there's so much less energy now. Um, There's so much, there seems to be more time, but I don't know. It feels like since the, I had no, my energy is just so much more depleted. I have to be a lot more intentional about where I'm putting that energy. And anyway, all that being said as well, I, um, I was on a coaching call back in February or something. I was the one being coached and my mentor told me or asked like, Hey, you know, I think something that could really help you with your business is if you niche down, I know why people want to buy one of your paintings, but why, why should they buy one of your paintings why do they tell people why they want to buy one of your paintings like why is it more than just a pretty painting you know Mm -hmm. what is the like special sauce (laughs) to it and i was just realizing that i couldn't really come up with a good answer um and i like i still i think my paintings are really really important i don't want to be sitting here saying that they're not i think they're a part of the journey But I have just totally realized that I think I was kind of like on autopilot with the paintings and 2020 gave me a lot of clarity over what I care about and what um, I think is the most important things for me specifically to talk about right now. And those were just not things that were going to work out on a painting surface. I'm getting back around to paintings as we speak but they're completely different. They're very sculptural paintings. It's basically like forcing sculpture down painting's throat as opposed to <laughs> the, um, the way that I've approached paintings for the past four years or whatever, if that makes sense. I, mm-hmm. That was kind of like a lot yeah. right out the gate. <laughs> yeah. No, it totally makes sense. Yeah. So it's kind of like, okay, the paintings aren't doing it for me or maybe even for, well, they are doing it for other people, but the way you were framing it in the sense of like, what's the special sauce? Um, yeah and especially right now like Mm -hmm. what I was painting a year ago meant a lot to me a year ago um but in like you know in March when this all all hell broke loose it was like uh this this isn't the story that I want to be telling right now um not because there's anything wrong with that story it's just I feel like we have all 
like aged a lot <laughs> this year. Like I look at myself in the mirror and I see like a, <laughs> like a, <laughs> just a withered, <laughs> a weathered person. Yeah. And I've, I, that's what I feel like I wanted to talk about with my art now is anxiety because it's so much more relevant right now to me than, you know, a year ago I was mourning my grandmother's death and I feel a lot more, like I have a lot more closure on that subject now. So I just didn't need to continue going down that path. Mm. So that's, I love what you said about like anxiety is really up for you now. And I think collectively many people can relate to that. And I'm also seeing a parallel in a sense of like, you've also always woven in themes of mental health, anxiety, um, like other things into your work, but it's like particularly on the table now. So I find that interesting. It's almost like maybe, um, people are more ready to receive it or it's just an appropriate time to really put it on the forefront, even though it's always maybe been on the forefront for you. It's like on the forefront for everybody, even more so. So yeah. interesting. Um, but something I'm curious about is, so tell me about why with these, this new theme coming about um, painting wasn't cutting it and why you've switched to sculpture. And I've, I've seen you do a lot of different things. Can you walk us through like, some of what you've been experimenting with and, and why these new mediums have lent to, um, to your new themes. Yeah, I, um, for the past, like, uh, you know, almost four years, I've been mostly just doing one medium, which is acrylic painting. I have dabbled in oil and I realized I didn't like it that much. And, um, I have done a lot with collage as well, but, Recently, what I'm doing, I think of as sculpture, animation, and performance. And that's really like, they're, to me, they're all really um, united. And I'll get into that in a second. But um, the reason why painting just wasn't like cutting it when it came to themes of anxiety was that I feel like anxiety, when I think about anxiety, I think of a lot of... Um, like metaphors and I don't really think about a visual and I think that in the past when I have thought about paintings when I've come up with ideas for paintings it's always been a very visual I have an image in my head and I want to put that image down on the canvas but when I think about anxiety I think about sensations in my mm -hmm. body I think about feelings I think about a lot of things that feel really um like larger than life, um, like um, for instance, painting for me used to be, it's very flat, you know, you can like run your hand down the surface and it's just a flat surface. Um, it depends on how much texture you build up, but for me it was pretty flat. And um, I, anxiety for me though has like texture, it has um, weight, uh, weight is especially a good word for it. Um, it has volume, it has a presence, it like casts a shadow. It, um, I just kept thinking of like more of like a shape and more of a feeling as opposed to like a two-dimensional image. And um, so in order to start capturing feeling, I first started getting into stop motion animation around March. And all that I was doing was, it was mostly like me standing in front of the camera and I would animate something simple. Like um, I did an animation called Crybaby where I use this star-shaped confetti that I make it like go down my face like I'm crying and then I pretend to like pull my eyes out mm. and they're gumball eyeballs <laughs> like from Halloween and you drop them and they turn into confetti and then they kind of spin together into one star and I pick that up and it make, becomes two stars. and basically like a really simple concept is taking like this star image, like transforming it. And the word I keep coming back to is animation. Um, I think illustrators use the word illustrate a lot. Like I'm going to illustrate a concept for me. It was like, I'm going to animate this concept. And for me, it was really important that it sort of like came to life. So I started there and I realized that in all these animations, I was in the animation. And so that was actually kind of performance. Mm. Um, even though I didn't like think about it this way at the time, you know, if I'm crying stars down my face, I didn't just sit there. I like tried to look sad. <laughs> and um, <laughs> at the end of the animation, I tried to look happy. And so it was kind of getting into acting a little bit and performance. 
And I realized that I, um, I also didn't want to just use like any prop that I could grab, like the, the star confetti. I love that. I thought it was great, but I was like, I want to make the stars. <laughs> and so that's when I started getting into sculpture and, um, thinking about them almost as props. And so like, I love, um, very like kitschy art. The word kitsch in German literally means trash, which I think oh, is really funny. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's so funny. It's, it literally means trash. And, um, usually we use kitsch to describe things like, you know, McDonald's toys from the nineties. Um, but it's really funny because I'm like sitting here looking at this paper mache pumpkin that I made. And the way I made it was I literally shoved, um, balled up pieces of old newspaper into a garbage bag and then used masking tape to tape it into a shape that kind of feels like a pumpkin and then covered that in uh, glue and newspaper. It's literally a ball of trash, <laughs> you know? <laughs> and um, so I'm kind of using these kitschy pieces like props to use in my animations, which are performances. And when you perform kitsch, it becomes camp. And to me, camp is very exaggerated. It's very over the top. And to me, that's what anxiety is. It's like catastrophizing. It's thinking the worst. It's like blowing things out of proportion. And so to me, that is really why I needed to like take things off of that two-dimensional surface and not only give them volume and weight, but also to animate it and to perform it in a way that felt like it was getting at the heart of what anxiety really is. Mm, that is all so cool to hear the insights into the, especially because I've been watching it, you know, and I've gotten little bits and pieces, but to really hear the fleshed out story of how it ties together. And I love the like sculpture as props coming into the performance. Um, I'm imagining that that's really like fun, which, which is funny because we're working with anxiety here, which is so <laughs> not fun. Um, but yeah, there's something about that that kind of almost like for me and maybe others listening, like makes you want to do it because it sounds fun. Whereas like, ironically, painting is kind of anxiety provoking. <laughs> I don't know if you've had this experience. Oh yeah. Yeah. And I think another like just really honest reason why I needed to take a break from painting was because I get into such a perfectionist zone with painting Mm -hmm. And it was like, it's me standing at an easel and that's just about it. Like I don't, I don't do um, expressionist painting or anything like that. I know some expressionist painters are like getting their whole body into it and they're um, really intuitive and very um, visceral and physical with it, but that's not me. <laughs> and mm -hmm. I actually, I spend a ton of time throughout any creative process, whether it's paintings or sculpture I spend so much of the time in my head coming up with a concept or an idea and I spend only a little bit of time actually executing it. Um, that's just how I work. And it was kind of frustrating to be spending, feeling like I was like chained to the easel for hours and hours and hours when I was like, I just like, I just really want this to be over because to me the idea was more important than the product. Um, so I feel like the medium that I'm using now is actually a little bit more conducive to my way, my preferred way of working where I kind of want to be able to make things quickly and painting. I just can't do quick, but then also like there is something so fun about it. And I think it's actually healed some of my relationship with my anxiety because I, I look at it now almost like a playmate where I'm like, well, if I didn't have anxiety, I wouldn't be able to imagine some of this weird stuff. <laughs> um, and so I, I don't know. I think that's been really healthy. I think that there's something to say for figuring out the process and what it all means along the way. That's something else that's very new. Because um, mm. I, I always struggled with painting to do the push and pull. Like I hear people talk about a push and pull with painting where it's like, well, you add things and then you take things away and then you add more and then you take some things away. For me, it was always like, let me get this perfect vision down. And I had such a hard time pushing and pulling. I would like ruin a canvas and have to start from scratch every time. There wasn't like a huge life 
to the canvas, you know? Mm -hmm. And for something like what I'm doing now, like everything I just explained, like I do think the, the line between sculpture to animation to performance, back to sculpture, I think that all makes a lot of sense. But it's not like in March, I was like, you know what I'm going to do. <laughs> I'm going to like make this very, um, I'm going to make this thing that makes so much sense and it's just going to be great. And here we go. Um, it just kind of started with me just needing to shake things up a little bit. And then I've discovered along the way, everything is the way it is, um, depending on, it's almost like following your intuition a little bit more. Um, than I used to back in the days of painting. So I'm just going to try this. For some reason, my, my intuition is telling me to do it. And then later you reflect on it and say, you know what? That reminds me so much of this. And then you start seeing the patterns. Mm. Yeah, that's very interesting about, I'm thinking of how I work with so many artists who also have so much anxiety and they have a hard time starting and getting to their practice. And it's one of the biggest things they want to work on. Um, and it's kind of just like, you know, full permission to like choose a medium that's less anxiety provoking for you. And maybe that's actually part of your path. And maybe that will actually lead you somewhere wonderful. Um, so yeah, I love that you're highlighting that. And I'm thinking about how you've been very content forward with all of this. And it sounds like you were with your paintings as well. Um, I'm wondering if you can talk more about how that's played a role in your style and maybe like give people and for people who don't know, like, what does this idea of content mean? Um, what does your process look like for coming up with it? That's a lot of questions in one, but I'd love to just jam <laughs> on that in general. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think about content is like different than the subject. Mm -hmm. um, subject say in my floral paintings was flowers, mm -hmm. but the content was grief. Um, mm -hmm. So content to me means like, what is the theme? What is the, the deep in your heart reason why you're doing it? And it can't be, oh, it's pretty. Like that, that's the reason you pick the subject. <laughs> but, um, content, it's like there's something, there's something in your heart that um, you want to speak to. And I think that that speaks to the people who are consuming your art and watching it or seeing it. Um, so I think that if you're kind of like, if I'm talking about anxiety, I think people who deal with anxiety pick up on that. Um, they might not necessarily care about flowers or whether it's stars or whether it's a pumpkin, they might not care about that, but they will care about the content. And so that's why I think content is one just important because I think it makes you happy as an artist. Um, it's like, you know, what is on your mind? What is on your heart? I'm not sure that you're sitting around thinking about how pretty flowers are. I know I don't like they are pretty, but I don't sit around thinking about it forever and ever and ever. Mm -hmm. I like sit and ruminate on how anxious I'm feeling or the pain I'm feeling or the grief I'm feeling, you know, any of that kind of stuff I tend to ruminate on. And, um, and then I think it's important for your audience because like I said, if they're receiving or if they're on that same, um, like cut from the same cloth as you, like anxiety makes a huge difference in their life too, then that's what they're really going to connect with. They're going to connect with the heart of the work, not necessarily the surface. I do think the surface is like nice. Um, and I think the surface matters. I think uh, a lot of the, the ways that your content influences your style is almost like, um, I guess I'll just go back to the metaphor of flowers. <laughs> like, <laughs> the reason why flowers are bright colors and the reason why flowers smell good is to attract a bee. Um, the flowers don't like need to be pretty for the sake of being pretty. It's a means to an end. And I think that a lot of the choices that I make that make up my style, like my, my color palettes or my textures or, um, like the, the subject, like smiles or something like that. The subject matter is meant to attract people to look at it, to make the art seem friendly, digestible, approachable, because we're, we are talking about anxiety at the end of the day. And I don't think that if you just like, <laughs> I don't think if you like pop into people's Instagram feeds or like even like physically in a room, if you just pop in or like, hey, let's talk about anxiety. <laughs> I think most people would be like, whoa, 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 <laughs> hang on there, back up like zero to 60 here. 
But if you're, you know, kind of like tantalizing them a little bit by inviting them in, um, I also do like to do that with humor. I like to use humor in my work as a way to invite people in and to make them feel safe before you talk about the really scary thing, which is anxiety. Um, so yeah, I think that content is the most important. And I think that your style is informed by your content because it needs to make sense. Um, you know, symbols of anxiety for me have been, um, lately they've been mouths because I clench my teeth a lot and I have a lot of TMJ issues because of that. And so for me, that's just like a natural, like anxiety to me is a crooked smile. That's just, it makes so much sense to me. <laughs> and I know it wouldn't make sense for everybody to make that same choice for someone else. Anxiety might be um, like a Dementor from Harry Potter or <laughs> um, something like a completely different image, yeah. um, completely different symbol. But at the end of the day, you're, um, you're making consistent decisions that makes sense for the content, but the purpose of those decisions is also to get people attracted to your art or a certain type of people. And for me, I like to use kind of bright, happy aesthetics as a tool, and I like to use humor as a tool. Um, and so, for example, last year when I was making floral paintings, they were very like moody. I went through this very like moody, neutrally dark kind of yeah even your like branding photos took on yeah mm -hmm. it was very like romantic yeah. and I was doing that on purpose because I was going for this almost like Victorian symbolism of flowers thing I was looking at a lot of Victorian texts where they talk about different symbolisms of flowers and that was important at the time because I was using flowers to talk about grief but that just you know this year it just didn't it just didn't make sense with where the content was going. Mm. Okay, that was a brilliant answer to a total non-question. So <laughs> and it's you. so much. <laughs> no, I'm so happy you laid that all out in the way that you did because I think this is something that a, is kind of hard to grasp depending on your process and, and your headspace as an artist. You know, we're all so different. Um, but if you are somebody who works really intuitively, it can be hard to distinguish like the aesthetic style from the meaning in your work and um and all of that and i think it is important as an artist when you're really looking to deepen your work after a while you're going to be craving something more to present and to spend your time on and i think what you just explained is really the answer to that and so for somebody who is maybe at this stage where they're like yeah i want to lead more with the content i want to focus more on the meaning and be more intentional what advice would you give for somebody who's like searching for for maybe um like the content or the themes or meanings that they should be exploring because i know for myself i mean i have now i kind of have my general uh themes that i'm attracted to but it was it's hard to commit it's hard to commit to a long project it's hard to know what's really up for you and going to be really creatively potent for you. So either advice or what your process looks like in that department. Oh yeah. It's, Oh, I think, um, I think one of the important things to just like say first is that it is a journey and that um, it is, it's dangerous to sit around and be like, well, like I'm not going to make anything until I have the perfect content because that can be paralyzing and yes, I've been there for sure. <laughs> um, I know what that's like. So I would say if you're, you're not quite sure, one of the best things to do is to explore it while making stuff instead of feeling like you have to like hold back until, you know? So um, I think something you said earlier about like picking up a medium that actually feels um, low pressure or even easy for you that's a good place to start too. That's where stop motion began for me. I didn't know that stop motion was going to become so important. I was just trying it. And stop motion is actually really, really, really easy. It's just like a series of pictures. And um, you can just, I make the pic, I layer the pictures in Photoshop and make a frame animation. Um, so it's, it's just super simple because you can take so many pictures. You can just take pictures all day and you can just like play around and like try to animate something. And it is so simple and it's very low pressure and it gave my brain a break. I think that um, 
like I totally relate to wanting to figure it out and like just kind of almost like white knuckling it like I am gonna figure this out <laughs> but I think your brain actually needs breaks in order to process things too um, you need the time of stress like I'm really digging in but you also need to let go sometimes and I think for me animation helps me kind of let go and just open up like a different you know they talk about your brain is just a series of like synapses right and like neurons firing and it is possible to open up new synapses forge new connections in your brain mm. and i think sometimes that is necessary because once you sometimes you're just too close to it and if for me like i was just just picture me like two inches from a painting being like why won't you work I needed to like step into a different room altogether and just back away from the painting for a second so I could see it more clearly. Um, it's like, you know, when you're working on a mural, you know, cause you've done murals. I have not done murals, but if you're working on one, I imagine that you do, you know, you have to work on the wall, but then you have to step back and see what it looks like in the big picture. Yeah. Oh yeah. You got to take a whole, a whole <laughs> lunch break or a whole day off, which you never have, but yeah. <laughs> Yeah. So I think there's something like that too. So there's like the deep investigation where you're like two inches from it and you're like really getting in there and you're, um, you've got your like magnifying glass almost, but then there's also the process of stepping back and looking at the big picture. And for me, I noticed that my big picture was always dancing around this idea of anxiety. It's like I went through this phase of being excited to be the bipolar artist and then this phase of not wanting to talk about that and just kind of having this like almost love hate relationship with my mental health because it was so impactful on my day to day but I didn't I really resented for a time where people was like when people would say you know your art is all about mental health they would like assume that it was always about mental health and sometimes I would literally I would really be like it's not always about mental health. I'm so annoyed. Maybe sometimes it's just about flowers. But I think that that was like resistance on my part. And I'm reminded of this quote by Joseph Campbell, which Andy J. Pizza talks about Joseph Campbell all the time. So I won't pretend that I discovered this. I did not. Andy did. <laughs> but this quote, it's like the cave you fear to enter holds the treasure you seek. And I think oh, yeah, for I've me. Heard, I've heard Andy yeah. say this many times. Yes. Oh yeah, he he like says that quote like literally every other episode. <laughs> it's a great quote. <laughs> it's a great quote, and I think it's so true. I think for me that cable is anxiety, because I, in my own personal journey with anxiety, especially through panic disorder, through that lens, um, the the whole problem with panic disorder is that it is fed on a cycle of fear. So you have a panic attack; it's terrifying. So then you become afraid of having a panic attack, which triggers a panic attack. It's just, it's a terrible cycle. And the only way to break the cycle is to be no longer afraid of having a panic attack, which is so much easier than said than done. <laughs> like mm. I've spent so many summers just basically being like, I, I, I'm not afraid of having <laughs> a panic attack. I swear. Why isn't it working? Yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I think you have to like genuinely get to a point where you really do face what you're afraid of. And um, for me, that was anxiety. And that's what this whole thing is about. I do not think that this is everybody's, um, everybody's bag, but it is definitely mine. Mm. Yeah. So I really love like the key takeaways in there for somebody who's digging for their own content, like make sure you take breaks. I love what you said about you got to make stuff sometimes to discover it. Like don't hold back and wait to make something until you have the perfect idea because I've fallen in that trap before too. And it's totally paralyzing. And for me personally, I've learned it's really not how I work. Like I, I am a conceptual person, but my, my stuff just comes out intuitively. Like I have to be making to discover it. And that's probably the case for a lot of artists. Um, so I love that you also highlighted that. And then what you said about the big picture, like sometimes it takes time to be like, oh yeah, this is like such an overarching theme in my life that it took me a long time to see it. Like, I think I've heard this analogy about the closer and closer you get to a sunset or something, you're not going to be able to even tell it's a sunset because you're so immersed in it. You have to like almost step back and get a view. Um, and I think about that. I'm like imagining you living with anxiety for 
probably quite a long time and just now being like, wait, this is really important for me to really explore and put on the forefront. Um, yeah. yeah. And I, I think there's something um, to be said too. That it's like, it's, it's so related to what you're saying right now, which is um, thinking about, I mean, even thinking about things that make you feel bad or make you mm-hmm. feel shame or like things that when people point them out to you, like I was describing with them, when people would point out like mental health themes in my work, I would like bristle, be like resistant to it. I'd be like, no, uh, it's not always about that. You're just looking for it. But I was just noticing like, it's hitting a nerve. Why is this hitting a nerve? Um, And I think that's kind of what I'm exploring now is in my work is it is about anxiety, but specifically I'm kind of exploring like, what is my relationship to anxiety? Why, why am I ashamed of it? Or like, why, Um, if someone say like a family member notices, you know, quote, how far I've come, why does that make me angry? You know, like why, why do I still have these, these like feelings where, you know, if someone's trying to give you a compliment, why am I still like, you don't know me (laughs) or like, you know, what, what is that? And so I'm trying to use the word to explore that because, um, I just think it's interesting that it hits a nerve, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, anything where there's good or bad energy there, there's like something to be explored for sure. Yeah, there's something emotional there. And I yeah. think as artists, we we tend to want to explore the emotional. Um, not everybody feels that way, but I, I definitely think people who gravitate toward your podcast are probably of the emotional persuasion, the intuitive, yeah. caring about what we're all doing here and why it matters. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Okay. I want to pivot quickly to, this is interesting now that you're working in this way with like a lot of sculpture and animation is pivoting your business model. And I know that's something you mentioned. I'm just curious, like what are the shifts in thinking? What's changed as you're working this way? It has been tough. <laughs> it's yeah, been, I bet. Oh my God. It's been, it's been hard. Um, So on one hand, I think I've noticed along my journey over the past like four, five years or whatever, that I think that there are things I've always wanted to do and I just didn't think I could. So I've been noticing those for a while and I I keep coming back to them, um, which I'll I'll be more explicit about in a second. But I think also I realized that I needed to change things up because of COVID. Um, And, you know, it's just... Ugh, I mean, the economy is terrible right now. This is a recession. And I just don't think that people, I really, I like, I almost hesitate to say this because I don't want, you know, maybe, maybe it's different for other people. I don't know. But for me, it seems like my audience does not have several hundred dollars to drop on original artwork right now. People are worried about making rent. You know, we're not going to be buying art. And so even though I believe that art is something very, very essential, it's not quite as essential as a roof over your head. Of course. So I have, I've been thinking like, okay, well, you know, I don't think I'm going to be able to sell original artwork right now, um, which lines up nicely with the fact that I'm not really making paintings. So that's, that's good. I need to make money other ways. So I've been kind of opening up, like, what else am I interested in? I think everybody does prints just because it's such like a low hanging fruit thing to do. It's like, well, Mm -hmm. I'll just do prints. But in my, in my experience, people don't buy prints. Like in my audience doesn't buy prints. It's not really, I sell like maybe 50 of them in a run. And that's, that's like not a lot. Um, So I, I realized that a lot of the mediums that I was really, really interested in pursuing like animation and performance is not really easily monetizable, not on a um, direct to consumer scale, which what we do is typically direct to consumer. Mm -hmm. So I do, um, I do have, I will say I have prints licensed with a company and then notebooks licensed with another company. And so I am drawing some income from those prints, but I don't do them myself. Um, and then, like I said, the animation and performance is not easily monetizable. So I realized that that means that I really need to get into like, well, well, who would pay for an animation or who would pay for a performance? 
and that um, looks a little bit more like gallery, which is also a little bit scary because I've just kind of totally avoided the gallery route up until now. <laughs> um, but but that is a that is a thing, and then also um, advertising. So, for instance, back in May, I did this um, collaboration with Bojangles where they were celebrating National Buttermilk Biscuit Day, and they got me to make art out of flour. Oh, so I saw that, that that was very it cool. was so cool. <laughs> I I mean, like, what a dream! <laughs> I love Bojangles. It's um. <laughs> It's like a big Southern thing down here. Okay, I was like, Charlotte. I don't even know what that is. <laughs> yeah, it's a big Southern chain and it's um, based right here in Charlotte. So like for a North Carolinian like me, that's a big deal. <laughs> and it's basically like the McDonald's down here. I mean, we have McDonald's too, but Bojangles is great. And I really loved working with them. And the way that we priced that collaboration was it was a performance. Mm-hmm. And so, um, but really, you know, it's advertising for them. So anyway, the point that I'm getting around to making is that um, I realized that it's so, so important to diversify income. And I think that's the takeaway for like anybody listening is diversifying, having multiple streams of income. Um, if I'm being honest, my income used to just be original paintings. And, you know, once that goes away, you don't have anything to fall back on. And so now, like when I, I kind of offhandedly mentioned, oh, I do have licensing, And the reason why I'm able to, ah, I do have that is because it's just one of like 10 different things (laughs) that I'm trying to do. Um, So that if one thing dries up, then another thing is there and it's, it kind of creates like a safety net. Mm -hmm. So I almost think about it like um, a foundation for a house. Now I am not a construction person. I don't know, but I imagine that they don't build houses on a single pillar. They probably (laughs) have like, you know, like a bunch of different pillars. (laughs) If you picture them all like kind of a similar height, like let's say, I don't know, let's say 10, just for the sake of the metaphor, 10 different pillars is a much better foundation than just like a single tall pillar. So yeah, that's, that's how I've like pivoted my business model is opening up new revenue streams. Yeah. It's so important. I just talked about this well, I guess by the time this comes out, we will have been a couple of weeks, but there's, I just did a Q and a like solo episode all about like business advice and transitions and whatnot. And that was one of the main things I said is like, you have to diversify your income streams, not only because it's just financially smart, but especially as an artist, it's like, if you didn't have faith in your ability to diversify and pivot, you wouldn't have had the creative freedom to follow what you really need to follow, which I believe in the long run is what's going to push you forward anyway. Um, But it's this delicate thing where I see this with people. They're like, well, I make money from this. And then they're stuck in that thing. And then they can't grow as an artist. And that's not fun either. And so um, I love the question of like, well, who would pay for this? It's like, I'm not going to let this stop me from going where I need to go, but I need to figure out new avenues because there are always avenues um, as you have discovered, which I think that's really cool. Yeah, I think creativity extends beyond your art. And then you can, I think that we as artists have this really unique perspective where we can, we can like rethink the meaning of mediums in general, like not just medium or media like paint or gouache or paper mache or sculpture, but media like, you know, a notebook or a puzzle, like what is funny or what is ironic? Because to me, it's always like, what would be funny? Um, It doesn't necessarily have to be funny. For me, it does. But what would be interesting to put on a puzzle? And what would be interesting to put on a notebook? Or what would be interesting to do with a fast food place? Or like, you can kind of get a little bit cheeky and start thinking instead of like, I created this one image, now I'm going to slap it on every single thing I can find on printful.com. It's like, (laughs) what should be a pillow? What Mm. should be a shoe? Um, I think that that is really like just such fertile ground for a lot of creative thinking. Yeah. I love that approach. I love that approach so much better than here's an image, put it on everything. That's that's okay too, if that feels right for you. But I I enjoy the line of thought you're going down way more. Yeah. And and you might fail. Like I I totally failed. I, I, when I did the collab with Jiggy, I was painting, um, I was doing hand painted original puzzles and I just like, it was a tight deadline. And I was like, what would be clever to put on a puzzle? Puzzles, you, you take them apart, 
you put them back together. Like what would be, what would be fun to put on a puzzle? Couldn't come up with it in the deadline. And I was like, well, I guess I'll just do some flowers because you know, everybody loves that. Flowers are still great. And I love the flowers. flowers. That's fun. Flowers are pretty and I like pretty and that's great too. (laughs) Yeah, that is fine. That is totally fine. It is like, just because I wish I had come up with something like snarky or clever doesn't mean that like I actually succeeded. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it's hard to be brilliant all the time. (laughs) I know. I know. (laughs) Um, For those of you who aren't seeing the audio, we just did a big eye roll at that. That was very sarcastic. (laughs) Um, Okay. So lastly, one of the main reasons we're even talking today, well, many things to discuss, but is your new exhibition and how you've like created this and really geared it to fit with the times of COVID. So could you tell us about what's coming up for you and the process with all that? Yeah, I, um, so this collaboration is with my friend and a local artist here in Charlotte too. Her name is Kat Sanchez Stanfield. And I'll refer to her from now on as Kat. But, but on Instagram, her handle is at Fiberess, and we'll put that in the show notes. But she is brilliant. And she's one of the artists that um, when I first started getting more um, out and about exploring the local art here in Charlotte, I was um, so taken by her work. It's incredible. She's a fiber artist, and she does these amazing sculptural installations. She has this piece. I don't know what it's, um, I don't know the title. I should have looked it up before we talked, but it's this, like, it hangs, she spins it from the ceiling and it's like, it's almost like these, um, giant threads threaded together. Like she's made these, they're almost like noodles, like pool noodles, except they're out of yarn and she's like kind of weaves them together and you can move them and arrange them and interact with the piece. And I just think that she's so incredible and creative. And I was really drawn to her um, because I think we're cut from the same cloth. No pun intended. <laughs> Fiber arts. Anyway, um, <laughs> so I, um, I was super flattered when she um, agreed to do like a show with me because I was like, you and me, we got to do a two person thing. And so anyway, our idea that we came up with was this concept of um, like, well, first of all, because of COVID, all the galleries like shut down. And I know that they're starting to reopen and doing more socially distanced um, visitation. And a lot of the galleries in our area are doing this like by appointment only system. And I think that's really cool gives you an opportunity to get out of the house, go see some art, but it's also perfectly safe because you've got appointments, you can distance, they can clean surfaces in between um, patrons. And we started thinking about that. And then we started thinking about this concept of isolation. And because she and I met about this back in like May or June. So it was still very fresh in Mm. quarantine. And we were thinking about how um, the art that she's making for a long time and then the art that I'm exploring now they both have these overlaps of the the concept of touch and like texture and wanting to like kind of bring things to life but then touch is such a touchy subject today because of COVID like we're not allowed to touch each other um we're we're literally supposed to be distanced and isolated and quarantined from each other so we were thinking about the lack of hugs I'm, I'm not a huggy person, actually. I'm very, like, I need my personal bubble. But just, like, it's nice to have the option to hug or to touch or to, like, shake a hand or high five or something or brush a shoulder in a store. Um, and so, yeah, we, we just really started thinking about, like, how we can do a socially distanced show that is still about touch. So we came up with this idea called Playdate where the um, – the patrons would make a play date. They'd make their appointments, come to the exhibition and everything in the exhibition would be interactive, touchable. You can manipulate it. You can play with it. Um, Kat came up with this amazing idea for a fibers like puzzle. So it lays on the floor, almost like a rug, but it has different pieces that you can pick up and move around. So it's like a puzzle. And then we, um, we have this giant collage where the, the pieces are um, Velcroed. So you can actually remove pieces from the collage and like move them around. 
So basically the idea is that the patron gets to come in and it's almost like an adult, like play place, you know, yeah. <laughs> and That's what you I'm get imagining. To, yeah, you get to like touch things and move things and interact. It's almost like, um, color factory or museum of ice cream, but mm-hmm. hopefully with like a little bit more of like a focused theme on touch specifically and textures and being able to feel things. She does a lot of high pile, um, tufted patch pieces. So, you know, you can run your fingers all in that. And then my paper mache work is very like, has that kind of crispy, bumpy texture. And we just really love this idea of people basically going in and getting to like touch everything. Makes you think about when you're a kid and your parents take you places and you're not allowed to touch anything. Mm -hmm. It's like, we would just want to send people in there and go touch everything. (laughs) That is so cool. It's, it's so cool that it, elicits a literal embodied response of like, oh, I want to go do that, which is, I think, how you know you're on the right track. Um, Yeah, because it sounds so fun and it's really cool to think of like your art as really offering an experience where somebody could walk up out and literally walk out feeling better, you know, and uplifted and more embodied. Like that's what I think of when I think of touch is like, it's very hard to be embodied if you have anxiety and all this stuff. And I think um, kinetics really pull us into that. So it's almost like, from my perspective, healing. (laughs) Um, But I love this idea of thinking about like, well, what are people needing and creating your art based off of that? That's very inspiring. Yeah, I I think there's something to there about agency and how Mm -hmm. I think sometimes it's tempting as an artist to just like put work out there and be like, this is my self-expression, take it or leave it. But I think that there's... not going to lie, I kind of love doing that too. I mean, I also, sometimes I just want to be like, it's about nothing. Yeah. Um, But it's just mine. But I do think um, there's something really cool about giving the audience agency where we could set up a, you know, a time-lapse camera and we could see how does the collage change? Mm. What decisions do the, the does the audience make? And then like the time-lapse itself becomes a piece of art and that the audience would be the artist in that film. And um, there's something, it, it, it's like breaking the fourth wall between the artist and the art and then the audience mm. where you like give them the tools that they need and they get to not just experience art, but they get to be the artist for like, I don't know, the 30, 45 minutes that they're in there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's so exciting. I don't think I'm going to be in the area, but if I was, I would totally come to it. Um, and so for this, you're going to keep us posted on details. Yeah, we, we would like to create a virtual experience to go along with the exhibition um, through Instagram story stickers, which I've never made, but I'm like really rabid mm. to make them and Instagram filters. So, and then we're, we want to make a video, um, that you would use for the installation. Like, you know, when you go to a theme park and there's always the, you're waiting in line and there's the video that's like, Hey, here's how you properly buckle that seatbelt. Yeah. (laughs) Um, we kind of want to make something like that so that people can also enjoy kind of a virtual experience of the work too. Because I think when you, you put your art into say like Instagram story stickers and then people are taking selfies or videos with that sticker. You're like, it's the same thing. You're giving them a tool and now they're, they're the artist, they're the photographer, but they got to use your tool and become the artist, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that is very, very cool. And really um, the word that comes to mind is really a service, but that seems a little bit dry for what I'm looking for. Um, it's like this beautiful facilitation in, in helping people like experience creative expression. And I think a lot of these social media tools like tools like Instagram stories in some way do give that, but it's like giving that on an even more an intentional and deeper level. Um, so that's very exciting. I'm excited. Oh, yeah. And I'm also envisioning um, like if you were to continue down this thread, you creating like really big, kind of like um, CJ Hendry did like the color rooms. I'm not sure if you're familiar with that, but like these big walkthrough installations, um, maybe when we can all gather again. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) I'm actually, I'm, that's the idea of what I'm doing right now. I'll give you a little sneak peek. Um, I am, I'm making, it will have to be in my own studio right now. Um, but I would love it to be in a gallery space too. Um, so people can experience, I'm trying to figure out how people can experience this digitally, but um, I essentially want to create an installation where it's like, 
it's walking through my journey with anxiety and mm. it's kind of got these like these points throughout the journey where um, I, I'm thinking of like seven different points in time which were just really pivotal moments and how I can kind of like take symbols from those times and blow them up into these like huge, like larger than life sculptures that you could literally walk around. Um, Cause I think, I think, um, you know, we can get into debate over whether time is linear or not, but I do <laughs> think, I do tend to think of things as like, a, I love um, Hegelian dialectics, which is this concept of thesis into the, the synthesis Mm. And I think um, that there is this this feeling of progress through those things, which again, people might debate. Like, but it's still <laughs> it's like from the subjective perspective. That's exactly like. yeah, yeah. And I, I yeah, to me, it's like walking through something or walking on a journey. And so I just kind of have this like this insatiable. I need to make something that people can walk through. Mm. Mm-hmm. That's so. Oh, I can't wait to see how that turns out. And I'm I'm also just thinking kind of as we're wrapping up here, one of the things, you know, I think you're very inspiring in general, but especially what I'm gleaning from this conversation, and I hope others do too, is like the willingness to be a beginner and try new things as it serves your creative impulse and like what you really need to be making. Because I'm sure other people can relate to this too. I've totally had dreams of doing an installation and doing sculpture. And I don't know if it's necessarily the right time for me, but I think before you embark on something new, there is that daunting moment of like, but I have no idea how to do this. And for me, I think like, it's not going to be as good as my other work because I've been painting for X amount of years. And so I'll be a total beginner in this department. Um, But I think you're really paving that way to show people like, no, it's okay. Like you can be a beginner and it can still be good and you can find your way and it can still be powerful. And um, that's my takeaway from everything you're sharing. (laughs) I mean, I totally agree. I think that um, there are a lot of people throughout history who make like, maybe they're not the experts in their medium, but they make incredible art. And I'll just, I'll pick like the lowest route example I can think of off the top of my head, which is like the band all time low. I mean, they are not like rock Wait, gods. All time. It sounds familiar. Is that like from our emo days? Oh yeah. It's exactly like, sure? um, I mean, I can't, I can't sing, but it was like, <laughs> you know, I got your picture. I'm coming with you, dear Maria. Count me in. Okay. I think <laughs> I'm I... like trying to speak sing right now. What <laughs> Maybe am I doing? We'll link to it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All time low. So I love all time low. I have ever since like 2007 or something. There's something I love so much about their music because it it's just like a feeling. Like I don't, there's a, just an intangible feeling. And so even though they're not, they're certainly not shredding their guitars or something, they are able to like, still makes something that is very worthy and moving. Mm -hmm. And I think that it comes down to content. So it's like looping back to our whole conversation. It's like Mm -hmm. if the content, um, I was reading, I was reading this quote by I think Sol, Sol Lewitt. Um, Oh, I just discovered him. I know he's like a dude from the sixties, but I am not familiar. And he was saying, it's hard to, um, it's hard to like mess up a really good idea, but a banal idea is like, you can't save it. Mm. So I think if the idea is good, even if you're not super great with the medium yet, I, I think it's like, there's something magical in there that just makes it, makes it good without you having to try too hard. I don't know if that's too hopeful, but. No, I love that. I think we should all run with that. Definitely. (laughs) That's a really powerful note to end on. Um, is there anything else you would like to share with us before I let you go until you come back a third time. I know, right? Anything else coming up? (laughs) (laughs) Well, um, the project I just teased is one that I'm planning on releasing in um, Mental Illness Awareness Week, which is October 4th through 11th this year. And I I particularly love that it's like during spooky season. Oh, yeah. Um, There's something great, like exploring your, your inner demons and monsters in spooky season. So yeah, that's when I plan to debut it. And I'm not, I don't know how much of it will be done, but at least a sneak peek will be. Great. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Taylor, for coming on and sharing everything with us. It's been a pleasure to talk to you as always. Oh, I love it. I love being here. I love this audience that you've cultivated, this like group of people who just care about generating meaningful work. Um, I think it's so great. It's such a great movement. So thank you for gathering, gathering us all in the same room. Mm, Thank you so much.
Amazing. Thank you so much to Taylor for coming on and sharing all of that with us. I don't know about you, but I definitely felt more confident to be able to try something new if I, you know, came about that in the near future. Um, I also really felt like I wanted to go see some art in person. But I know Taylor will do an amazing job of creating virtual experiences for us as well. So make sure to follow Taylor, um, check out her exhibition partner, who's also linked in the show notes. Um, And don't forget to follow the show as well. All of the handles are linked in the show notes for you. That concludes our episode for today. Until next Wednesday, I'm sending you lots of love and tons of magic.